North Otago. It's rich in history and strong in character. And you have found the podcast that celebrates all that is good within our district. Join Gary and Damien every week as they either interview a legend or someone who is putting North Otago on the map yet again. North Otago legends, up-and-comers, and a bit of history. The name says it all. Isn't it amazing who's in our district, Gary? It is indeed. Yep. Love, lots, lots of wonderful people. Love Jimmy's story last year about how he came into our district. Last week, even. The, what did I say? Last year. Devers. Trying to keep up. Yeah, sorry. It's, last, it's a new year now. You did right. I loved the story last week about how he came into our district and how it accepted him and how his family, you know, all, all the siblings and that, they're all just they're part of who we are now. And yeah, moving from the Troubles in, in Belfast, yeah. in the island, and um, yeah, totally different environment here. So that's probably a good segue. North, North Targo, we, we have all different um, nationalities, mm-hmm. cultures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to introduce today's guest? Well, yeah, that's an obvious segue, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's someone who's uh, really made a name um, for basically being a real community person, but someone yeah. who's um, also represents a significant part of our community now. Uh, really pleased to have Hannah Halalele come and join us. So oh. welcome, Hannah. Thank you. Talofalava to you both and Happy New Year. Talofalava. Yeah, Hannah, really happy to have you on the podcast. I've been um, picking away for a while, and um, Gary put me off to this year, and that'll come out why he, he put me off a wee bit, because um, there's something we'll talk about. But um, first of all, we just want to get to know you and your journey in our district. So first question, were you born and raised in North Otago? Oh, well, firstly, thank you for the opportunity uh, just to come along and chat with you um, both. No, I wasn't born here. I was actually born in Invercargill. Invercargill? Yeah. 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 So my brother, my older brother Ali and I were born down there. Yeah. Uh, and then we moved to Dunedin, uh, and then Wellington, and then my parents separated. Yeah. And then uh, Mum wanted a fresh start, and she had a sister that lived here, um, Tima Darling, and she was married to a local. So that's what brought us here. Wow. Mm. And so, what year and how old were you when you moved? North That's a really personal question, Damien. Oh, sorry, I won't do the maths. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was like five. I yeah. remember I was five years old. Yeah. Um, moved down here in 1985. Yeah. As I discussed with your sister the other time, I went to high school with your brother Ali. So, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. She mentioned that. Yeah, yes. and I know you're, the, you're a much, much younger sister of Ali. So, should we leave it? <laughs> yeah. He's three years older than me, so uh, not too much older. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now you're doing the math, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I that one out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so what was it like? Um, like, had you started school in Wellington? And, and I did. We yeah. lived in Porirua. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had went to school. It was called Holy Family School. So I had I did start school there, and Ali was, um, I think he was like eight years old. And then we were kind of, yeah, we moved out of there where it was a very high Pacific population um, in Porirua and mm. Wellington. Um, and then we moved here, and I do remember because we came by ferry, got um, the train, I think, to Christchurch, and then we bussed it from wow. there to Timaru. And then my uh, uncle came and picked us up from Timaru and then brought us here. So we kind of arrived in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, and I remember as a kid waking up in the morning, I opened the front door, 
and there were sheep and there was a paddock there. And I was like, <laughs> this is the first time I'd ever seen that. Like yeah. we're living in a city, you don't you don't see or experience it. Yeah. So that's yeah, that it was quite interesting because I always remember that image. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you'd, you'd um, come over here, you, you'd moved in with Auntie Tima? Yes, so yeah. we lived with her until we kind of got ourselves set up. Yep. Um, Mum got us a place and then, yeah, we lived, we kind of moved around quite a bit mm. um, around that time. Mm. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it was probably, a, well, it was a pretty big move really for your mum. Um, yep. You know, just recently solo parent and uh, bringing you all down here. So what, what, what was it like for for you as a young one, you know, suddenly, you know, no longer in Parurua, mm. now in this, uh, in, in, you know, in Omaru and, you know, going to a different school and so on. Was it, um, you know, much of a culture shock for you from that point of view? Yeah, pretty much. We were one of the very few, you know, Pacific families back in, in during that time. Mm. I remember I, I was enrolled in Omaru North School, yeah. um, what it was called back then, and my brother and I were probably the only brown kids yeah. um, in the school, so it was really challenging, you know, like just kind of noticing those kind of cultural nuances in a, in a town where I'd come from a school that was probably 80% um, Pacific um, to a, you know, like to where the complete minority. Yeah. So it was, the adjustment was quite challenging, and it took a good few years, you know, like just to adjust um, to that. Mm. Were your cousins at the same school, or no, they wouldn't be? So if only you and Ali there, what school did they go to? Um, they were still quite young. Yeah, oh, were they younger than, yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that would have been a massive shock in coming there and having mm. to go to school and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was different. Um, it took us a good while to kind of adjust. Even the language changes, like in Wellington, like we would speak, you know, like Simon at home when my dad was there and we weren't allowed to speak English. Yeah. Um, so even just the language changes, the... You know, like what was happening around the town was all different, and you didn't know how to articulate those kind of feelings when you're when you're five, six years old. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it did take um, quite an adjustment. Mm. And so that um, you know, you, you, your mother was a, you know migrated here, yep. so she was Samoan. Oh, is is Samoan? <laughs> yeah, uh, yep. yeah. So had you? Um, Basically, had that culture instilled in you at home. Like, is it something that you you still grew up with, even though you're in a New Zealand context? Yeah, definitely. Like our first language was Samoan. Mm. Um, both my parents were Samoan, by the way. Yeah. Um. So my parents had actually met in Dunedin. So I have you know like good strong kind of family roots in Dunedin. Um. With all the family kind of migrating there and working there. Um. So yeah, language was one of the things that were. Um, yeah, it, it was installed, you know, like very early on um, with us. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and um, so your early memories in North School, you said it took you a couple of years, but what help? Was it playing sport or was there a teacher there that really um, made you feel at home or was it just you started to make some good friends? What helped you just get into the Omaru or North Otago community and, and, and feel part of it after those years? I think sports did play quite a, you know, like an important part with um, myself and my siblings' upbringing. Yeah. Just because we were naturally quite good at sport. Um, and then you always do have that kind of one teacher, you know, like that kind of 
takes you aside and, you know, like kind of helps to mentor you and things. And it was quite interesting because I remember being called um, these names um, at school and I didn't actually know what they meant because I'd never heard of them uh-huh. um, before. But I later found out that they were racist names. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, this teacher, this particular teacher, I remember his name was Mr. Bisson. I mm. mean, um, I'm really North School. Do you remember? Nigel. Um, <laughs> sorry, Dave. Uh, I can't remember because we didn't yeah. <laughs> we didn't call them by their first names. Yeah, no, um, softball umpire. I think did a so. lot of a lot of umpiring. That might be where the, the table kind of um, yeah. dynamic yeah. came in yeah. at school. Yeah. So yeah, when you have you know like certain kind of figures like that at a very early age, and they just kind of pull you aside and they give you these pep talks and they help you understand things as a five, six, seven year old. It's yeah. quite helpful. Wow, that's awesome! Mm. What a great man. Mm. Oh no, he was yeah, he, he he was a really good teacher and um, just connected well with kids. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And good. I remember those kind of figures, you know, like right throughout because I did attend lots of different primary schools. Yeah. Um, my when my parents separated, uh, my dad hadn't actually known that we had moved here. Yeah. Um, but when he did locate us, you know, like he did make the transition down and and tried to reconcile with mum. So there was a bit of family harm. Yeah. Uh, growing up, so we did shift around um, quite a bit, and I probably attended maybe about 10, 11 different primary schools. In North Otago? And around oh. here in Southland and in Timbury. Yeah. Mm. Well, that would have been pretty tough. You get settled at one, and then you end up going somewhere else, and you make friends, and then you have to go somewhere else again. Yeah, definitely. So that's what um, Ali and my school, you know, primary school experience was, whereas my younger two siblings, they were quite different. You know, by that time that they had started school, the experience was very different. It was a lot more settled. Mm. Do you think that is probably a major part of what you do today and how you help the community? Do you think it comes from, you know, um, some of your childhood and just – you know, some of that experience that you yeah. had to go mm. through yourself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely it does. You know, like when I look back, um, yeah, primary school and we'd gone through women's refuge and stayed, you yeah. know, like at various places and where's my mum kind of to, started to redefine, you know, like who she was and learning from her experiences. Yeah. And um, she started to do a lot of community development. Yeah. I work here in Omaru and, you find commonalities with other people of the same culture, so yeah. you kind of stick together because you just naturally, you know, like you know, revolve yeah. to each other. Mm. Um, so that's when they set up these things like language nests and you know the Pacifica Women's Group mm. and things, just to kind of help empower yeah. and support each other. Um, so as we were growing up, we were always kind of part of that kind of scene. So anything that they do in the community, of course, the children have to kind of follow yes. <laughs> along and you end up kind of helping out as a volunteer. So I guess that's where that communitarianism kind of yeah. dynamic um, evolved yeah. um, in us as a, from a young age. Well, well, let's go there. We've got two – we could go your schooling and high school and then university or we could go into um, that side of your culture and keeping a connection here. So where do you think we'll go first, Gary? Well, I think the um, let's 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 go through the school part first, and yeah. then let's go on to the other because that's the bit that's extended mm. into your mm. professional life. So, so that's why you make the big decisions. Oh, right? look, Gary, yeah, you're, you're just, so clever. Just, he likes order and structure. Yeah, he does. Right. Yeah, and uh, and I've got to try and keep it simple for some people <laughs> as well. Not looking at anyone, Damien. Um, that's funny. It looked like you were looking at me. Anyway, Gary. So, um, did you make it intermediate? I loved intermediate. By that stage, you know, like I was a bit more 
I guess, stronger in terms of who I am, you know, like yeah. as an identity where I kind of struggled, you know, like at the earlier ages. Yeah. Um, so that was a really fun, cool time, you know, like for me, the, from, you know, what I recall and, and my memory. So um, by the time I get to high school, you know, the first couple of years are going well, but then you kind of start to notice things. You start to rebel. You have an attitude. You go through all that kind of teenage stuff. I can't imagine you rebelling <laughs> or having an attitude. Oh, it can't have been for very I long. I think I've seen bits oh. of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you start yeah. to get a wee bit stroppy. Yeah. I guess you have choices, you know, yeah. like, and then you develop yourself as, you know, like in your identity and um, you notice things a bit more. Yeah. Um, so that's where you have that kind of identity crisis and the, and the conflict um, yeah. kind of thing happening. Um, so, again, sport, which sport were you involved in and that would have helped taking out some yeah, no, energy definitely. on the sports field? So what sports did you play coming through? Um, a bit of basketball, volleyball, um, softball, touch. Yeah. Netball? Not really so much mm-hmm. netball, but yeah. yeah, no, I love the summer sports, you know, like, and I love just kind of being outdoors and then the yeah. team kind of um, sports. Whereas my younger, I, <laughs> I remember, like, because we lived across the road from school yeah. um, and Ali was really into rugby. So, of course, we, you know, he's only got sisters. Yeah. So you might as well train them up to be like yeah. Tom Boy's rugby <laughs> yeah. players because yeah. he had all these moves in his head that yeah. he wants to kind of try out. And, yeah. and real girls. So I was the only one he couldn't convert. <laughs> <laughs> But he converted my younger two sisters and yeah. um, Ralph and Wayne and my, um, Manulua, my other cousins. So they would all be out playing on the street. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of like it became our playground. Yeah. Um, you know, like the Orana Park and just yeah. kind of anywhere where you could throw a ball around. Yeah. Um, so sports did uh, was quite a protective factor yeah. um, for us growing up. Yeah. Um, as well, gave us an activity, but we're also actually quite good at it. Yeah. Yeah. So you might as well kind of, yeah. So how far did you go, what, so your basketball, for example, did you represent North Otago age group and come through? Or? No, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> Volleyball and softball, like yeah. I, I enjoy those. Yeah. But it was also interesting because probably maybe midway through my high school years, I I started to disengage. Yeah. I felt like the teachers at the school didn't quite understand me and we're still quite a minority I'm in the group, and we don't have Pacific groups, um, so we'd join the kapahaka and kind of support that, and then would want to be like Māori. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we would kind of just do anything that would be relatable to our culture. Um, and then I remember when Mum had started um, a social services diploma at the Polytech at the time, and we would go along to you know like to her classes and things with her. And because English was a second language, um, she needed some support with assignments and things. So I think I was like fifth form, what we'd call year 11 back yeah. then. Um, and then she would ask me to kind of help out with, um, yeah, just the assignments and, and just the language used and the structure and things. And because I loved English, yeah. I had an awesome English teacher at high school, um, by the way, and she taught me how to write essays and things. So wow. that's where yeah. that kind of support came from. And we didn't have a computer at home to type up her assignments, so I'd go and um, ask my, my rich Barangi friends if we can use their computer. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have any of this kind of thing at home. <laughs> yeah. who, who was that teacher that helped you there? Um, Mrs Johnston. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah, those special teachers, they do make a, a difference, and especially if you're basically helping your mother with her you know, tertiary qualification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was like the equivalent to like first year university. Yeah. It's quite fun to use it the other way around. You know, the parents are doing their children's homework and getting good marks, but you were doing helping mum on her homework. And, and it was more just the comprehension, yeah. you know, like because oh. they had to have case studies. Yeah. 
uh, and then they had to apply theory, social work theories, um, and then they had to write it out and provide examples and things. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. That's how I developed the the interest in social work. Yeah. Mm. So by the time I got to seventh form, towards the end of it, that's when I knew that's probably the pathway that I, I need to go down. And then when I went to university, they had the same case studies. When I was fifth form, they were still being used. Um, the, <laughs> so I knew all the answers. Yeah. <laughs> So, and so you went to Dunedin and you studied? Yeah, at Targo. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So you obviously, you said you were having a bit of trouble at school and rebelling. Yeah. You obviously didn't rebel that much because you obviously got your university entrance and, you know, you ended up in Dunedin. Only so. just, only just. Did you? Yeah, yeah. only just. Um, I guess I'm just trying to think back now. It was when the principal at the time, Linda Cowan, when I was at seventh form, she called me into the office, probably because the teachers were saying, oh, Hannah's not engaged in class and things. Yeah. So she was probably concerned, because um, why else would you go into the principal's office? <laughs> um, so she called me in and said, Hannah, you know, we're really worried about you. What are you looking at doing? You know, like after school. And then she kind of sat me down, and then we had this chat. And then it was only after then that I started to really kind of put a bit more focus um, into the pathway that I wanted to take. So that's where, you know, like I, I decided it was either journalism or social work, and I thought, no, social work I'll, I'll do. When I kind of connected the dots with my upbringing and the different groups that mum yeah. and my auntie and her friends were all involved in, it made sense. Yeah. Um, mm. So let's go into those groups because, um, yeah, they were involved. You guys went along. Um, you had, you, you you listened in and so forth. But mm. sometimes you had to take the lead too, didn't you, of, when your mum <laughs> couldn't go somewhere or whatever. Yeah. So got, probably half, sense. yes, probably half of the women, there were about five Pacific women that started this Omidu branch of Pacific and it's a national NGO. Um, and probably half of them were solely parents themselves. Um, so they would send, you know, the times that they weren't able to attend these different conferences, they would send the oldest daughter um, from... You know their families, so there would be about three or four of us that would, you know, like be sent to attend these national and regional conferences. Um, sometimes they're held in in Vicargo and Dunedin and Christchurch um, and Wellington. So the ones in the South Island we usually got sent to because it was easier to put us on an intercity bus yeah. when you're uh, 10, 11 years old. Then <laughs> you you go and sometimes there'd be like over a hundred people at these um, events and you register in. And you attend, well, you took off which workshops that you want to attend and then you introduce yourselves to the group, big group of people. So, um, yeah, that, I guess that was my introduction to workshopping. So did you have to then digest it and then, and then come back and present a pre- presentation to the Omru branch or was that just you had to attend that workshop? And So we would attend them yeah, and then we would have to come and report back, yeah. you know, like in terms of what our yeah. experiences were. And for a 10, 11-year-old, how did it go? Um, so I'm because I'm naturally quite a shy person, you know, like quite mm-hmm. reserved. So I just go in and I just listen, observe. Um, you know, like and when it came time that everyone had to stand up and speak, that I freaked out. Yeah. <laughs> but you got used to it because yeah. you were put on the spot and you get used to kind of public speaking. Not that you enjoy it, yeah. um, but I think these experiences kind of enrich your, you know, like just the things that you do and give you that kind of extra confidence boost. And these were all Pacifica gatherings, or mm. was it different? They're all Pacific, and they're yeah. Pacific women from right around the country. And so there'd be a lot of support feeling there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You would almost feel more at home in that yes. environment at times. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So. I remember one of the Christchurch venues was at 
I think it used to be a former hostel um, school. So we would go and stay there and there would be other women um, that would be around mum's age. And then there are younger women and they look back now and a lot of those older women were a lot of the pioneer kind of Pacific women leaders. Yeah. Um, that ended up, you know, like running for parliament and, and things like that. So, it's, yeah, it was quite a nice learning ground, very hush, yeah. um, but it was valuable. So, um, yeah, you managed to get through school. You went and did your other training. You um, got your qualifications and so on. So mm-hmm. what, 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 was, what was the first jobs you went into? Um, so part of social work, so you do the degree <laughs> and then you had to do a postgraduate diploma. Um, so that was four years of study all up. Um, and then during your postgrad year, you do two placements. So the first placement was at a Tiger Youth Wellness um, Centre, and then you're doing kind of one-on-one mentoring work with a lot of youth. And then I got offered a job there. And then the second placement was at um, probation um, service down in Dunedin, and you usually get offered, you know, like work there. So that was kind of the pathway that I went to. Some people in my cohort ended up going to Oranga Tamariki, um, as well in other, you know, like kind of social work kind of agencies and things. Yeah. Um, but I ended up going down the pathway of probation service. Um, so that's when a role came up here and I knew I needed to kind of come home. I really actually wanted to get into social policy in Wellington. Yeah. Um, but something else kind of called me home. Yeah. Um, so that's when I played for a role here. I was actually based in Timaru. Yeah. Um, but Timaru office, we're looking after the Omaru office. Yeah. Um, back then, so that's when I moved here in... Um, 2001, 2002. Yeah. And stayed at there at probation as a probation officer. So what what's the role of a probation officer and then what was your involvement with the community then? Um, so alongside, you know, like my work as a probation officer, we still had our Omri Pacific community group that we did a lot of volunteer yeah. stuff supporting Pacific families that were migrating to the area. Um, but the role of a probation officer, you'd be doing rehabilitative work, you know, doing one-on-one stuff, writing court reports, yeah. um, assessments and things, doing court front prosecutions, um, and just basically supporting that particular person with their sentence. So, you know, like they, you, you're trying to support them to reduce their risk of reoffending. So you would have seen quite a tough side of Omaru or Nototaka. You would have, yeah. um, there would have been some stories and people there that, uh, were hurt or broken or angry. You would have worked with a lot of people. It did, but did you find that's part of your call and that's who you were to help these ones? Yeah, or, yeah. Or yeah. did you understand their hurt or, you know what I mean, at times? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, so. yeah, a lot of it was relatable, especially when you're working with family harm perpetrators. Yeah. Um, that kind of, you know, that was the area that I was really interested in. I really liked the court work. Um, but, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of kept you grounded, you know, yeah. like when you're working one-on-one and... Um, yeah, no, I love the work and I still do and I still kind of keep my hand in in terms of um, providing support wherever possible now. Yeah. Mm. And you, I'm just trying to think now what the next question is from there because it, you did stay there quite a long, quite a reasonable amount of time. Mm. And um, so, yeah, how long were you there? Um, so I did about a year in Dunedin office and yeah. then this role, I think I was there from maybe 2001 till... 2019, mm. I think the, the, around the start of that. Yeah. I feel it was the year that, you know, like that was the election at the end of that year and I kind of timed it um, and I picked up some interim kind of fixed-term lecturing work at university and Otago. 
Um, so it was quite interesting how everything kind of fell into place and it, it lined up really well. Yeah. Yeah. So you were in, you were travelling down to Dunedin each week and mm. doing some lecturing and yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that was in in social and social so, work. social work. Yeah, yeah, yep, and the social work department. So I taught the um, third, fourth, and fifth year. So mm. it's all the post grad. Um, oh, wow. Students in the master's program, the applied master's yeah. um, program now. So it was really helpful, um, you know, having the community development kind of side of things. And um, the time that I had left probation, I also knew that we had to grow um, OPICG to be able to be in a position to deliver some service support for the community. So as you're kind of teaching this material to the students, you're also developing and growing an organisation and you're starting it from scratch but you're also having a go at um, delivering community-led initiatives with our Tsalano Ako program um, as well. So I guess it's just the richness of it that I wanted to teach and share, you know, like um, to these new students that were um, new, that were green, although some of them were really experienced, but they needed to do the applied master's program to have the actual registration yeah. um, process. So I still keep my hand in now in terms of guest lecturing now and then. That's mm. fantastic. The Umaru Pacific Island Community Group, OPICG, um, that you developed that over the years as, as a support group for Pacifica and so forth. You know, did it, you know, even in those times, was it getting into the social side of, of helping people, you know, as opposed to just, um, you know, just being, you know, Cultural something that, that wraps around them? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Like, it, um, it's just interesting because it's always been a volunteer group and it fell under the umbrella of the Pacific Women's Group, you know, like that my mum and auntie and three other women had started. Um, so not only just cultural support, but there's that social mm. support, the educational, the spiritual support, and even the um, constitution that we they delivered, you know, developed back then is still quite current because we reviewed it and we thought, oh, the objectives actually still make sense. Oh, um, now, so yeah. it was quite interesting just kind yeah. of how it's evolved, but it's still actually retained, you know, like its core purpose. Yeah. Mm. And how big is the group grown to now? Um, so, yeah, it's grown quite significantly. Yeah. Um, so we still have, so it's kind of like in two parts now. So we restructured back in 2018, 2019 to be able to be in a position to pick up government service agreements. So we have the social service side, which I manage now and have a team of about these eight of us, and we've got a team of six outreach vaccination staff. Um, and then we've also got the cultural activities side, which is our Friday night program. Um, so our governance committee like to kind of look after that side of things. So so what would you do on a Friday night, average Friday night? Um, so we might do kind of Pacific art, you yep. know, that kind of thing. Sometimes we run sports nights on the last Friday of the month at the rec centre. Um, so it's a mixture of, you know, like different activities. Yeah. Originally to maintain and uphold the Pacific heritage of a lot of our um, children and youth that are New Zealand born. Yeah. A lot of them are born here and they lose the language or they're unfamiliar with it. So it was just a way to kind of help, you know, like look after their yeah. heritage and things. Would that be one of the biggest struggles at the moment? The ones born here assimilating more with Western or New Zealand culture and losing some of their, you know, culture from their birth, you know, countries or... Mm. Yeah, so... Is that one of the biggest struggles with the young ones coming through? or Yeah, it is one of yeah. the challenges. challenges. You know, especially yeah. when you have island-born parents and then yeah. your children are born here and they're exposed to yeah. you know, New Zealand way of life and that's all they know. Um, so those are some of the, um, you know, like the challenges that, we're, we, that we like to kind of support. You can 
still retain your culture and your yeah. language and things, but you can still adjust and, and make yeah. the most of what's available here. It's keeping people grounded, isn't it? Yeah, keeping mm. keep, get, giving them the you know so they understand their roots and so on because. You know, you hear about people who have been adopted out and so forth and, mm. you know, they don't know, you know, what what they have, you know, what family they came from and, so, and what their connections were. Yeah. And yeah, there's yeah. always a gap and, you know, mm. and keeping that connection is obviously, you know, quite valuable. It is valuable and we kind of see it as a protective factor, mm. you know, like for us, um, mm. our culture, our faith and things and um, like even my two girls, like when they were growing up, I remember because um, Ty broke his neck when Shelly was three weeks old, so I had to go back to work. Mm. Mum retired early to help him look after Miss Shelly. So the kids have always been at, um, you know, like daycare and gone through, you know, mm. like they're quite used to other people, yeah. you know, like looking after them. And I remember quite vividly when I took her into enrol at Bernardo's and there were two different dolls there. One was brown and one was it was European doll, and she picked up the brown doll, and it was the first time that I noticed that she noticed those things. So, I, I didn't yeah. know, like as a one-and-a-half-year-old, yeah. she could tell <laughs> the difference. And then to me it was like, oh, you know, like I, I just needed to kind of help diversify, you know, like her and just kind of accept, you know, like all, all kind of things. And even the language that they spoke, they didn't know how to speak English. When they went to daycare, I had to make a list of Samoan and Tongan words because Thai's Tongan and I'm Samoan. So the languages they're hearing at home is all Samoan from my house. Yeah. And then the languages they hear at Thai's parents' house is all Tongan. So yeah. this is the everyday language and it's just a mixture. And then we ended up teaching Bernardo's the grace they say and we say in Samoan and wow. they still do it now. Yeah. And um, with Tendai and the team. So it was just an interesting change and that would have been like a good 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. Mm. And so you've mentioned it before, your faith plays a big part in your community and who you are as well. Mm-hmm. So um, is that something you put importance on, like on a Sunday or a Saturday? Is that something you, um, all of the community um, adheres to or tries to? Or? Um, yeah, well, we were raised in the church. You know, yeah. like we were, um, yeah, we're members of St. Paul's Church yeah. um, back then and in Dunedin it's Fresh Church. Um, so that's the, you know, the... Churches that my family have kind of strong roots um, within. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it just became embedded as part of, you know, like our lifestyle. We didn't really know any better. Yeah. Only when you go to school yeah. and then other kids don't go to church, and you're like, huh, this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> don't you just go to Sunday school? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. only then that you notice um, those kind of differences and things, because it's normal for us to do prayers, you know, devotion at night as a yeah. family. Mm. It's normal to go to church on Sunday and when you – you know, you, you've finished high school and things, it's natural for you to start helping out, you know, like in the Sunday school thing. So yeah. we've always been kind of raised like that. Yeah. And do um, a lot of the Pacifica families, you know, keep that connection with church or do, you know, do they do they lapse? <laughs> yeah, they how, can how lapse. How does that all go? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I guess, you know, like it depends on each family. Mm. Um, like here, we're quite, um, it's interesting because there's like 10 Tongan churches um, that are here and our mm. Mormon church is the largest. Uh, they even have their own Tongan board, um, which is um, pretty amazing. Um, and we've got two Tuvaluan churches yeah. and a new Tuvaluan minister that's here to help lead one of the churches. Um, so one of the Tuvaluan churches, they're kind of based and they use St. Paul's facilities um, there as well. So it's still a very integral part, you know, like of our lifestyle and it's... Um, yeah, it's just part of who we are, you know, like it's our faith, it's mm. part of um, 
It's embedded yeah, as part of our identity. Yeah. And you have, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it can be noticeable when you're driving around on a Sunday and there's um, a lot of Pacific Islanders wearing white and mm-hmm. so on. That's a particular time of year, I think. Yeah, White Sunday? Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, Very some of those caring. things. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes yeah. I'm up early enough to see yeah. these things. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably just coming home knowing Gary. <laughs> <laughs> on my way to the farm's market. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's always interesting seeing other cultures and so on. I think that's one of the really noticeable things around North Targa, around um, particularly, um, is the diversity of cultures and so on, the ethnicities that have moved here. And, yeah, when we grew up, it was, you know, there was a lot of migrants and so on, but they tended to be more white ones. Um well, I remember with some boys, Chinese, but yeah, now stuff. Going through boys, I went to Tocha school, so we had a few mm. Chinese. So that was my introduction of different mm. cultures. But when we come to Waitaki boys, I remember it was Ali Fanini, Mahanga Te Hafe, yep. um, Justin Kalfana, but mm-hmm. then he went left to go on a mission trip, and Joseph Cropley was the only Māori boy ish yep. that I really remember. And but now you go with Waitaki boys, you you know it's completely changed. It wouldn't look like that, but um, they were all good lads growing mm. up back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, you go to the prize givings and yes. they're, they're pretty yeah. special. And, well, I remember uh, Ali and uh, Mahanga, our simp form, done more than words on the guitar. Oh, yeah, extreme. Some, I yeah. was there. Were you, I was there too. Yes. It was awesome. But that was something different and that was just bringing the Pacifica flair in because mm. no boy, because the way he tapped the guitar and did it, you know, mm. it was just using his voice and his gift and it was really cool. And, yeah, that was an amazing memory. Yeah. Mm, I remember those times when he'd be playing because he was quite a good muser, and he was so yeah. Whenever he babysat us, it was always at the Pimmel Club. Yeah, come <laughs> <laughs> on, kids. Yeah, <laughs> uh, very good. Same so thing. Go, going back to OPICG. I know <laughs> um, so you have got quite a few contracts and so on with the government. You're delivering a lot of services. Mm-hmm. It played a major part. Um, that group played a major part in the um, whole COVID situation of supporting community and, um, you know, being the support for people who are stuck at home um, isolating or, or just during the whole lockdown time frame. So, you know, that, that's probably, you know, been quite a, um, a real step up in the, mm-hmm. how much people notice that the group and, you know, what it's doing. So that, that must be, I mean, it's been a lot of work for you, but it must be quite... Um, quite exciting to be able to do some of those things too. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was a huge privilege um, to be able to kind of develop, you know, like something and turn nothing into something, and that's something that I love to do. I love when, you know, like you think of, oh, I wish we could do something like that. Oh, let's just do it. You know, like it's just that, that thinking that anything is possible. I mean, I love being able to install that and cultivate that in a team and just kind of grow a team to be able to deliver what the community needs, even mm-hmm. if you don't have anything. Um, so, no, that was a really pivotal time um, for OPICG, and we had, like, no resource. Um, I'd be up all night filling in, you know, like, grant um, applications and things, and then I'd be on the phone to Silol saying, can you fill in this one, and I'll fill in this one. So it was a very haphazard kind of process, and we're all in lockdown, you know, just responding, reacting wherever possible, but we just wanted to do our part, you know, to help support community. And it just kind of evolved and grew from there and the louder, the more noise you make, you know, like to people in central government that are, you know, where all those decisions are being made, um, they have no choice but to, to listen. So, yeah. 
Yeah, that's what we like to do. <laughs> specific at women, you got to wash them when they get together. So, I mean, that, for a while there, it was like, oh, specific islanders were doing a really good job of looking after themselves. But actually, you know, it wasn't, it was like, actually, it was anyone, you're looking yeah. them after everybody. It was like, it when our specific people actually didn't want to be vaccinated at first. Yeah. <laughs> we only had ten percent, you know, like right yeah. at the start with our um, yeah. July August um, vaccinations back in that time. And I remember the queue at St Paul's and it went all the way out to the road um, and yeah. it was really worrying because there were no vaccines in the country at that time and so we were kind of scrambling around there's nothing else in the South Island and that we could get and there was queues and queues of people um, so we knew oh there is actually a demand mm. um, here and if um, we can do something to help our local GPs and nurses then why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I love how the Pacifica, yeah, really um, got involved with the whole community. And, um, yeah, really, it was, in a, it was in a tough season. Like, mm. not just Omaru, North Otago, not just North Otago, New Zealand and the world. And um, your team and yourself, yeah. I think you just led with such grace in how you handled that. And um, you did such a fantastic job. So thank you. No, thank, thank you. You know, no, like we had so much support, you know, no. like around us, which made it. But it took someone easy. to lead it and took someone to go, hang on, well, I think we can do this. And that's what draws people when people start leading. And so I th- I'm pretty sure you're probably at the forefront of leading that. And you probably would have had a team and a group of people alongside you. And then, yeah, it was just oh. it was what was needed in our district at that time. I'm pretty sure Hannah was very involved in banging on a few doors in Wellington at the time or yeah. phoning them up at least. To, yeah. yeah, I think we are recall both of us and Mel, you know, yeah. like to try to do what we can. You have to have a wee bit of crazy in there, you know, like yeah. to go and just be very unapologetic about, you know, yeah. advocating for what your community needs. And yeah. I learned that, you know, when you go to these workshops as a 10, 11 year old, that you don't settle for anything, you know, like less than what your community needs. Some great keys. Mm. Yeah. So that, that was, um, I mean, one of the things that happened, you know, started before lockdown and so on with COVID was um, the Power Up program. So mm-hmm. that probably helped in some ways for setting mm-hmm. up. Um, so do you want to talk about that program and how it evolved and possibly how it helped um, you support families uh, educationally through lockdown? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I remember... Um, regional office in Dunedin had nominated two people from Waitaki to attend the um, education summit in the country only having two at the time, one in Auckland and one in Christchurch. Um, so I got this email and I have no idea what it's about, but I knew instinctively that I needed to go. So I just went along. I didn't know anybody, you know, like at all. And then you have all the cabinet ministers and things there. And yeah, it's, it's called the education summit and they were developing the, you know, the reform around education um, yeah. in New Zealand. And I remember we had the opportunity to speak to the Associate Minister at the time, Jenny Salesa, Um, and everyone were asking all these questions and things, and then I stood up and I said, it's all very well having all this support, you know, like in the metro areas, what about the rural kind of areas um, where you do have these fast-growing populations, these emerging communities, what kind of support can you provide and can we do that down there? Wow. And then a week later, that's when she sent her National Office um, staff here Based from that question. Mm, yeah. Um, and we had a community meeting and it kind of evolved from there and then we ended up forming like a subcommittee, you know, like a really passionate Pacific parents that wanted to deliver this particular program, but we wanted to localise it yeah. to what would work in Waitaki here for our families. Um, so, 
Yeah, that's that was called the Power Up Program, and it's now called Talanoa Ako, and it's just a program to help support Pacific families um, champion their children's learning and understand the education system and how to support their kids through high school and. You know, like understand, you know, primary school, how that works, how to read school reports, how to understand NCEA. Um, so we've been delivering their program for about five years. Um, we've still got the same working party and some of the original members of our subcommittee have gone on to kind of further educate themselves, wow. uh, which has been really awesome, especially through that building capability project. Mm. Yeah. And five years, are you seeing some fruit from it now? Yep, so you're kind of growing the cultural capacity and the responsiveness of schools. You know, yeah. you see it in high schools um, doing, you know, a much more responsive um, delivery program for, you know, like not just Pacific students, yeah. but just acknowledging all the other diversity yeah. um, groups that are there. You notice that uh, um, just with um, different structures, um, Kahuyako, um, it's a community of learning kind of program with our education um, groups here. So, yeah, you can kind of, I feel that you can see it. And one of the outcomes was that we needed um, Pacific parent reps, you know, kind of on the Omaru-based schools because that's yeah. where the highly populated areas of the schools that our yeah. kids were going to. Um, so we achieved that. And I think at the end of that year, there were five um, Pacific, you know, like parent reps on the boards of trustees. That's awesome. Because, mm. I mean, it's so important for kids, you know, have parents supporting their education and so forth and and. To do that properly, mm. parents need to understand the educational system, and if they mm. haven't grown up with it, they could learn it somewhere. Yeah, totally. And they and, don't. Yeah. Um, they don't. Um, they didn't attend school here, or some of them mm. didn't even attended high school. Mm. Um, so these things are all very foreign to them. You know, what's a school report? Why do I have to go to the parent interview? That's yeah. what you are there at school for. Yeah. You know, like one of the first questions that we notice that parents ask when you go into a um, a parent interview is. Has my child been good? Have they behaved? So it's all around the compliance yeah. part that parents are worried about whether their children are behaving at school as opposed to saying, what are my children's learning needs? Yeah. You know, what are the gaps? What are the things that I can do at home to help support parents? So it's just reframing that and helping them. Helping to shift that kind yeah. of focus. Um, yeah. Giving giving people that context to, to help their kids and yep. help themselves. And yeah, yeah so, I mean, you know, you talk about the um, the capability scholarships. Um, you know, that, that was definitely something that was pretty cool to be involved in. Mm. Um, you know, uh, we are seeing at prize givings, we're seeing more Pacifica mm. uh, youth achieving and so on. And those ones are going, you know, some of the first ones are going mm. off to university and so on, but there's a whole generation that, hasn't really had that as an option and, and enough. I mean, you did, but many didn't. Mm. Yep. Um, so, yeah, the scholarships, um, yeah, how valuable has that been? It's been hugely valuable. Um, so that was when we had MSD funding that helped to um, cover the school, you know, the fees of um, the Bachelor of Applied Management mm -hmm. program through Capable Otago um, Polytechnic now, Te Pukinga. Um, so, yeah, the two in 10 students have had a 100% hit rate and they've all um, passed well their Bachelor of Applied Management and I feel at least half of them have had passed it with distinction, uh, which has been pretty amazing. Um, so, yeah, one of them is my staff and it's quite interesting as you're growing, you know, cultivating the leadership and things in your own staff, you know that one day they will leave you because yeah. they need to kind of continue to up school and you're just kind of supporting them with what their pathway and their purpose is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's been um, it's been massive, you know, like for for those ten families, 
yeah. and their children get to watch, you know, their parents graduate and walk across the stage and it gives them hope and aspiration that it's normal, you know, like to go to a, a tertiary institution or to do a trade or to yeah. upskill. Mm. So on another tangent, 2019, you decided to have a bit of a change. <laughs> Life wasn't busy enough, you, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What else can I challenge myself with? So tell us about running for running for running. A council. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said before, you got to have a wee bit of crazy in you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we had we developed we formed you know the Pacific Island Network um, forum, and it was from there. Yeah. And um, that it was raised that it would be really cool to have a representative, you know, like try and run and yeah. see if we could get on because it was important for us as. The community was growing that we had a voice yeah, and, around that table. And to be seen. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, no, I, I really wasn't too sure, but I remember having a conversation with Mel um, leading up to it. Um, and then I was interested. It was quite scary at the time because, you know, like, it's not something that I had envisaged doing. Um, yeah, so I just put my name in the hat and, yeah, everything was just a learning kind of curve right, you know, right through out that period. Yeah. Yes, yeah, you had, you've been telling parents, you know, you need to get on school boards and telling everyone. So you, you kind of had to put your hand up and say, right, I'll, I'll do it this time. And I know. If you, yeah. yeah, you do have to walk the talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, sh- uh, we'll just say the results. You you made it on. Yep. And then you, uh, had, you obviously had a little bit of crazy left. So you put your name down for another term. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yep. So obviously Gary wasn't too bad of a boss. No, he's been great support, you know, like especially for the new elected members that yep. come on board. Um, yeah, no, it was a it was a huge learning curve for me, you know, like the the first term. Yeah. Um, but I was really grateful that I had a lot of governance training, you know, like with the Pacific Group, OPICG, because I was the chairperson there and I grew up grown up. With the groups, I understood what governance like we really was. So I guess that's my reference point, and that's my um, that's my go to when I'm not sure about things when I sit around that table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you definitely understand governance better than quite a few of the, <laughs> the careful, incumbents. Careful, Gary. <laughs> careful. Uh, you know, yeah. I I'd, I'd probably just want to say, um, you know, having having you at the table has been great, and um, you know, you 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 bring a lot just being you and. Uh, but yeah, there's always that cultural element as well that sits alongside that. That you're a good reminder sometimes to make sure that we are representing the community more broadly. And um, then there's also the the governance side that you actually you are very good at that, and you're quite handy at reminding us to to keep focused on the right <laughs> things. And in your very polite way of telling us, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> so so it is. It is good. <laughs> It's, it was it was great seeing you get on and and um, yeah you've been a great contributor. Cool. I've got a question for you now, Gary. Yeah. So as the mayor of uh, the Waitaki district, um, you recognise something on Hana, and so in her second term, what did you invite her to be, and why? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. We go through a process at the start of each term, talking to all of the the. Yeah. the you know, councillors um, that have, you know, new and returned. And, um, you know, one of the questions was definitely asking everyone, um, you know, Melanie Tavendale would step down, she'd been deputy mayor for the last couple of terms, and so who did they think 
should be. And, um, yeah, it's really pleasing to see that, um, you know, several people put their names themselves forward. Yeah. But all, all of them also said that HANA would be a good option. Yeah. So I knew I was pretty pretty much on safe ground yeah. um, nominating. I, you know, the mayor can appoint the deputy, but yeah. I've always taken the, 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 the stance of nominate and make sure that the, yeah. the councillors support who is going to be deputy because it um, gives them a stronger mandate. But I know from talking with you that was, you know, that was where you were leaning as well. It wasn't just because others were, no, no, but no. you definitely yeah. thought that she was um, going to be amazing. So let's throw it back over to you. So number one choice. So you get called back, <laughs> number one choice, you get called into Gary's office one day and you think, oh, no, what have I done? And then he asks you if you want to be the deputy mayor of Waitaki. Now, that's a long way from a young girl who moved a lot of primary schools and then settled and he got in a bit of trouble at high school, rebelled a wee bit and then left and come back and now the deputy mayor of the Waitaki district. Talk us through that. Yeah, no, it's just hugely, hugely, you know, like humbling, you know, like to be even considered um, um, to take on such a role and, and, you know, like naturally I'll be like, oh, what about that person? Or what about, <laughs> always trying to put other people, you know, like forward. I mean, I think it is part of a cultural yeah. um, thing. But no, I was just hugely humbled and honoured um, to be to be asked and to be considered. Um, and I had done quite a bit of thinking um, around it and I needed to think well, where am I going to make the biggest impact you know like with the community work yeah. um, that I've been called to do so um, yeah after you know like after a bit of um, prayer and, and just kind of advice and that from yeah. the family um, yeah no I decided to kind of take on the challenge and accept it and I've just been um, really humbled since yeah. mm. I think um, a few of us had one reservation and that is can she fit it in yeah. <laughs> with everything else she's doing and um, I'm pleased to say she is. If yeah. you want something done, you ask a busy person. Yeah. And so that's, that's how it is. And have you found the new role, is it? Um, so far, you just, I guess we've been into Christmas and then you'll, get, you'll sink your teeth into it more this um, this year or mm, have you yeah. hit the ground running already? Oh, no, definitely. Mm. You know, like always open to looking at different opportunities yeah. and if you're even if you're fearful about stuff, you feel it in your door yeah. anyway. Um, but I'm just grateful for the support around, you know, like yeah. me, because you never do anything on your own. Mm-hmm. It's always with the backing and the support and, mm-hmm. and the blessing of others. And, and we have a cool team, you yeah. know, like this term. We also had a great team in the 11th Council as well. We just want to continue that legacy that they've kind of set. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's I guess that's what we love about you. And, and it's not just the Pacifica that vote for you. You know that, Anna, that a lot of people see what you do and see how much you give to this community. So, um, yeah, you, you're a very valued part of the community. And so thank you for doing that. And I guess that was recognised, um, I don't know, around the New Year's. Yeah, yeah. This is you know you you referred to this at the start, you know, and I sort of put you off to after you know into the new year, um, because I had heard a wee whisper that Hannah might be the recipient of something on New Year's Day or New Year's Eve, um, being a a QSM. So um, yeah, it was great to have Hannah recognised in those national honours and being awarded a QSM and. Recognition of all the work she and, and and her team have done in the community, um, serving serving us all. So, yeah, congratulations, congratulations. on that. Congratulations, thank <laughs> you, thank you. 
it just is, it's awesome. It, it's good for you and what you do, but it's great for our community that we know we have people in here that local government, that national government are looking at and going, hey, there's something happening in there. And you have a team behind you. You've um, you've um, you've got your education, but there was something in you that was recognised, and we just want to say congratulations. So talk us through that <laughs> and um, receiving that honour, and what does that mean? Does Gary have to call you ma'am, or you know how does that work now? Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, thank you. I'm very humbled and very honoured and very embarrassed at the same time. Um, yeah, I guess you know, like to me when I first. Had the letter, you know, like that. This would be, um, this is what would be happening. I, um, I guess I felt for the other people around the country that were doing similar work, and I kind of there was always a part of me that felt guilty because I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be recognised when everyone was doing the same thing. Yeah. Um. So, and then I do think on the other side, it actually helps um, provide some visibility for our community. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, yeah, just supports, you know, like the the work that all of us do collectively. So, um, yeah, very humbled to, um, yeah, to that. Are all those other people happy for you, though, and proud of you? Yeah. Yes. So I think that's your answer. You, you can see other people that are doing just as well, but they all look back at you and go, wow, she was worthy to get that because you've actually um, you've laid down your life to you know make sure the Pacifica people that is that you've raised the uh, awareness or raised the understanding and you've kept the culture alive in a district. So that's amazing. Yeah, no, it's just that recognition of someone in the community getting yeah. stuck in and looking looking after others and yep, part of a team, but you know leading the team yeah. and so yeah, well deserved. How many QSMs do we have in our district, do you know? Um, there can't be too there's, many. There's a few, but, yeah, there's not, it's not It's not a big number. But not a big number. So we, we actually fair. haven't had too many awards over the last, um, you know, last while, but we, I think we had a couple or two in this latest, um, you know, yeah. set of awards. So, but, yeah, it's it's um, just great to have Hannah acknowledged. Yeah. So, Hannah, we just want to say, and I guess Gary and I can say it, on behalf of the community, thank you for coming back into North Otago, into the Waitaki District. Thank you for coming back with a heart for the people. Thank you for coming back with passion. And thank you for not giving up when it got tough or, you know, or you just keep fighting and fighting. And um, we're seeing, you know, the rewards now, but I know there were times where you just had to keep your head down and keep going and pushing through the red tape and, and all of that. So, mm-hmm. uh, and what you're doing is not just for our district, but other districts are looking at that and going, well, if Waitaki or North Otago can do this, why can't we do that with our Pacifica, with our whatever community? So you're a forerunner, you're a trailblazer, and we're very honoured to have you in our district. Um, you're not allowed to go anywhere. You have to stay here. Uh, is that right, Gary? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a contract. It's a contract now. Yeah. Once you get your QSM, you're locked into that town that you've got it in. I think that, I'd read that. So yeah. I think um, I think Hunter will be the first to acknowledge the you know, as far as trailblazers, her mum and auntie. Um, yeah. And yeah, she might not say this, but I think she's got a couple of kids there that they're going to be following in her footsteps as well because they've they've done the same thing. They've learned. Well, I've had it on good. You know, a whole lot of good stuff, yeah. I've had it from a coach of toys that she could go and play for the um, New Zealand netball side. So maybe mm-hmm. she might make her mark there and come back. Very, very capable <coughs> netball player, isn't she? 
She enjoys it and she loves her coach. Does she? That's why, yes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, her coach is grumpy <laughs> sometimes, but you didn't hear that from me. Um, no, no, she's very Oh, different. do you know the coach? Oh, I just heard. I just oh, heard. okay, right. Yeah, my daughter's in the same team. So, um, <laughs> no, very good. Yeah, and that's it. So a um, couple of questions to finish off. Mm-hmm. Will you go for your doctorate one day? Can you do that? And Yeah, I'm very keen. You know, like I've always wanted to do that and I was offered um, a fellowship to do it back in 2006. And that was another pivotal time because I was offered the opportunity to go and help set up probation service in Samoa yeah. um, at the time. And then also I got, I got pregnant at the same yeah. time too. So <laughs> yeah. I had to make one choice, yeah. um, but I knew I'd put it on the back burner. Yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, it's a project that we're actually working on um, at the moment and we're doing a, a group research kind of um, oh, yeah. proposal. Awesome. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I just, yeah, there was just something in me, and like when I was talking to you, I'm like, yeah, that would be good recognition of everything you've done. And it's not after the title, but it's, yeah, it recognizes everything you've done. So keep going, keep pushing on, and we'd love to see that one day. That's the title. Gary doesn't have Dr. Kircher, do you? No. No. No, I'm waiting for the honorary one to be awarded, but, you know, so I don't have to work for it. But yeah, I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen either, to be fair. Yeah, well, then maybe Waimati, can Waimati Primary School offer it? Because that's, you know, has been an old boy of that. Waimati Centennial School? Yeah. Um, I, I think I was only there about eight months. So, yeah, yeah they probably yeah. forgot yeah. about me pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. And that's the last. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, and I don't remind them. No, by the okay. way, yeah. Um, and last question. Thank you for coming in. But um, what's your project? What do you want to see happen? You know, what's what would be your dream in North Otago? What are mm. you working towards at the moment? You go, well, if I could put this in place, then mm. it would bless the community or bless, you know, what is it? Yeah. It's a big question. Don't say take my job. No. <laughs> no, he can have his <laughs> job. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want his job either. <laughs> the community would think it was a blessing. But, yeah. yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, definitely to see the our local polytech campus humming with lots of um, foundation bridging courses, you, you know, level yep. three, four diplomas and certificates. Awesome. I've always wanted that. And I remember as a kid when I'd go in there, um, when mum would be doing her classes, and it, it had this kind of nice feeling about it, and it was, it was alive. Yeah. Um, and I really want that kind of feeling, and I really want to kind of help build and grow the capability and the education and skill set of our local community and make it as accessible as, you know, like possible. So if I were to dream in terms of what kind of outcomes yeah. that I would like to achieve, um, it would be definitely that and encouraging to Pukinga to kind of get some courses off the ground. So I've got a meeting tomorrow um, with the operations manager um, just to kind of have those conversations and put some micro-credentialing around it and just offering some really cool pathways um, for our community to access. So... If I were to dream and make it a reality, then that's that's what one of our focuses are going to be. Good stuff. I love it. Yeah. And that's thinking generational, and people don't have to leave because sometimes they leave to get qualification and never come back, or they just stay here and they never, you know, extend themselves. So if they can get a qualification or a skill or a trade, and then it just stands them a good step for the rest of their life. So yeah, no, definitely. Oh. And they always believe, you know, education is the key to success. Yeah. You know, like in terms of prosperity and. Yeah. You know, like, um, yeah, just kind of supporting your family and um, it, it's important that we kind of pass that on but also offer those opportunities. <coughs> yeah. So from my point of view, I just 
really appreciate everything Hannah brings to her role with council, but to the community. And um, I just want to thank you, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, to, for all that you do. Um, it's really special, Hannah. And yeah, we're a better place for you being here. So thank oh. you. No, thank you. Thank you both for the opportunity. I love what I do. You know, like I, I love waking up in the morning and, you know, like this is what I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose and what my goals are and, and doing what I'm called to do. So for as long as I can do it, I will do it. Yeah. I just want to say thank you for allowing yourself to be seen when it would be easier to sneak back into in the back seat, but someone had to step forward. And, and sometimes that's not easy because we have people in this town that don't appreciate change or they don't appreciate or don't understand change. And so thank you for stepping forward when it was tough and thank you for not backing down and thank you for what you do for the community. So, no, thank yeah. you. Awesome. Look at that, Kara. We've got the most amazing people in our district. We have. Yeah. It's really quite cool talking to them and just, um, yeah, sharing their stories. Yeah. And and Hannah's, the, her journey into this town and then but the, what she's given back has just been a hundredfold mm. and um, that's good. And I know we have a lot more people like that out there. So if you're listening to the podcast today and you can think, wow, I know someone else has given a lot to the town, let us know. But for today, we just want to celebrate and honour Hannah and her, um, what is it, QSM? Is that yes. Right? QSM? Yes. And Queen Service Medal. Queen Service Medal. Yep. Does she get an actual medal? Yeah, there will be a um, ceremony in Wellington for her to go to. I'm oh. not sure when that is, but I haven't been invited to it yet. We need but to have a sure party back here when she I'm not sure it. when it is either. <laughs> 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 All right, North Otago, we will talk to you next week. See you later. Bye. <laughs>